A minimal creed, an ample science, and maximal faith. That is our aim. Welcome to Experiential Theology, the podcast where we investigate and talk about the relation between human experience and knowledge of God. Hello and welcome to uh, the Experiential Theology podcast, one of many podcasts named Experiential Theology. I'm Benjamin Naismith. I'm in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Canada, and I'm here with uh, my friend Juan Torres in Los Angeles. Hello, Juan. Hey, Ben. Excited to be here. Yeah, so some history. This is our first episode of this podcast. We've been thinking about doing this podcast together for quite a while, uh, probably even for almost a year. How did it all begin? Well, let's just start with your background. So you want to introduce yourself, Juan, and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So, yeah, like you said, over a year ago, we were planning and thinking about doing this podcast. Uh, I'll give a super short mini spiritual bio, I guess. I have been a Christian since 1998. So I was rebaptized in 1998 and I started really being a Christian as best as I could since then. And so I went through an experience in a church where I was part of it for 13 years. And then I left that church with lots and lots of questions. So I probably spent the next 10 years going over good solutions for those questions. And that's where I'm at. And now we're doing a podcast because I feel like I have found the answers to my questions and I have the theological resources to talk at some length about the things I've learned along the way. Yeah, you've certainly read a lot of um, a lot of theology along the way, as far as I can tell. So, who are some of the people that you've read along the way that you found interesting or helpful? Yeah, for me, I would say uh, I've read a great deal of the Puritans. <laughs> uh, the Puritans, at some point, uh, of course, the Reformers, Calvin, some Luther. And then eventually I ran into Karl Barth, T.F. Torrance, Jürgen Moldmann, Rudolf Boldmann, and many others. Uh, I'm, not just, I'm not just name dropping, but those are the people that I ended up running into and who have really changed the way I think about the gospel and really the way I try to live out my faith. Okay. Well, uh, for my part, I... Um... I grew up in a Canadian evangelical uh, church context, and um, and along the way, as an adult, I ended up going to seminary part-time, uh, actually where, pretty near where I live now at Briarcrest Seminary, and that was a real chance to read more widely as well, and sort of read outside of my upbringing, outside of the things that were read in the churches I, I grew up in, and it was very rich for me. Uh, one thing it did do for me is it led me uh, away from sort of the previous foundations I had for Christianity and into a foundation that takes experience seriously. Uh, and, and so that I would call my theology an experiential theology at the moment. Uh, people I've read along the way, particularly I've been influenced by a living philosopher named Paul Moser. And uh, through him, I've also been introduced to some important names that I hadn't heard of before, such as Peter Forsyth, uh, Hugh Ross McIntosh, 
These are Scottish theologians in the early uh, 20th century. Um, Soren Kierkegaard, uh, Emil Brunner, and, and some others. So you and I actually haven't read a lot of the same stuff, um, but I think we have we complement each other well with the things we have read. Yeah, and how did we end up meeting each other I, since we live about um, at least thousands of kilometers away from each other? Uh, well, we met through theology Twitter, which is basically a subset of Twitter where people argue about theology. <laughs> and on when I was on theology Twitter, I'm not there anymore. Uh, I was posting a lot of quotes by Peter Forsyth, and I remember that you seem to be um, a lot of them seem to resonate with you, and that's how we got in touch. And that was mm -hmm. uh, quite a, quite a while ago now. It feels like. Yeah. Yeah, so a, a guiding motto for this podcast, this is from Peter Forsyth in a book called uh, Positive Preaching in Modern Mind. He wrote, and I, and this is going to hopefully hold true for our podcast here. He wrote, a minimal creed, an ample science, a maximal faith. That is our aim. So what, what do you think about that? What are those? you have anything to say about those three parts? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... I love that. I really love that uh, motto. And I think that is what we need. I think he's absolutely right. That, that is what we needed 100 years ago when he said that. That is most definitely what we need still today. So absolutely, we need to have a minimal creed, an ample science. We really need to know the Bible critically. We need to know science. I mean, everything that we need to know in the modern era, we need to know. But we have to also always aim at the result of having a maximal faith. So not just rationalism, but faith, actual living faith. So I love that. Yeah, uh, a minimal creed. Now this was really important for me growing up because I feel like the faith that I grew up into uh, was really based a lot around beliefs and having a certain worldview perspective on the world, which is actually the opposite of a minimal creed. That's sort of like a maximal creed where, where we as a church community believe these things, and it can be quite a long list. So a minimal creed is an attempt to, to really reduce the burden of exactly what you need to believe in, the, in a certain faith context. And uh, however, the, the answer to too much worldview for some people has been to have no creed at all. And, uh, and Peter Forsyth is helpful to remind us that um, if there is a living faith, somebody will try to describe it. And when they try to describe it, it will come out as a minimal creed. <laughs> it can't, a faith that nobody's even bothering to describe is one that's really not even worth having in the first place. So. Okay. Uh, now you wanted to comment on some scriptures. Maybe now's a good time for that. Yeah, so in preparation for this uh, introductory podcast, I really thought about a couple of, of biblical passages. The first one that came to mind is in Acts 8. The heading is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, right? And I love this passage because this really gives me the struggle that I have for a long, long time. So here in verse 30, uh, Philip asked the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading, Philip? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? And I love that because 
in the church that I was a part of, we read the Bible like you wouldn't believe. We read the Bible, we memorized the Bible, we used the Bible. <laughs> but did we really understand the Bible? I would say in many ways, no. And so I can relate to this person right here. And I think a lot of people have this problem that maybe they read the Bible, they're familiar with the Bible, they have a history with the Bible, but do they understand the Bible? And so for me, what led me to study theology is the following. I always ask myself, what is the proper relation of the gospel to the Bible, right? Or to the New Testament? And of course, you know, there are a lot of people, especially in evangelical churches that say, well, whatever the text says, that's the word of God. <laughs> you need it all. Everything's 100% true. And then you just try to combine it and then you, you come up with the theology that we need to have, right? And that did not agree with me. And it just didn't make sense to me, but I didn't know what to do. And so that's what led me to study theology for many, many years. And yeah, that's why I like this passage. Yeah, I, I think for, for me, a lot of my journey has been rejigging my approach to scripture um, moving away from an approach where, where really, if you just study it hard enough, you're going to understand. Um, in particular, where if you just study it hard enough, you're going to understand how it all fits together. And for me, what's been important is to realize that it actually doesn't all fit together. Different parts of the Bible disagree with other parts of the Bible. It's an anthology of people writing about their religious experience. Uh, and more importantly, they're interpreting their religious experience. And so, so, and it's very hard to make sense of some of this stuff because it's, it's the ancient world. And so there's so much to be gained from critical study of the Bible, from learning about, about what it meant in its original context and from releasing ourselves from the burden of having it all agree with, with every part, agree with every other part. It's okay for some authors to think one thing and another author to think something else. And, when, and it really is a much richer book um, once you look at it that way. Um, yeah, but this leads into the next verse that you're gonna, that you were going to mention. Um, yeah, what's really important to me is is that when I'm reading the Bible, I'm reading people describing their own religious experience, and presumably they're describing something that's also possible for me today. Mm -hmm. So the continuity I have with them is not that I have the same views as them, not that I'm trying to adopt their worldview in, in many ways, that's impossible, but I want to have in common with the people in the Bible, that experience of the good news that they are trying to describe. And they described it in the first century. Um, it's my job to describe it in the 21st century. Yeah. So the other scripture so the first one just highlights the problem that, that I think all of us have when we start seriously reading the Bible. We're thoroughly confused, right? Or maybe not confused, but unsatisfied with the answers that people are giving us. Uh, the second scripture that I wanted to briefly mention is in Luke 24. So this is after the resurrection in the gospel here. And Jesus appears to the disciples, to a couple of disciples anyhow, and he rebukes them for not understanding the scriptures, right? So he says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe that all, the, all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And then uh, he leaves them, and then the disciples say to themselves, wow, when he was with us and he explained the scriptures, were not our hearts burning, right? So this is that famous burning heart passage in Luke. And I love that because this reminds me again of the maximal faith. It has to be a living faith. There has to be in an encounter with the gospel. There has to be this, this fire that touches our hearts. I really do believe that. And even if I denied that for a long time, I've always known that to be the case. The, the gospel being the dynamite of God, as Paul calls it in Romans, is powerful and it's going to make a difference. And what I would like to do with the podcast is, of course, A, to address the intellect, maybe some of the questions that people have. Hopefully, we'll give some good answers for that but also uh, maybe be a source that allows people to re-engage the gospel, the Bible, the Christian faith in such a way that their hearts burn for Jesus once again. That is my hope and prayer for what we do together here and we'll see what happens, but that's what I hope to see. <laughs> yeah, so this passage, it's interesting because uh, there's these disciples who spend time with with jesus without knowing it mm -hmm. and yet there's an there's something of value in in this um in this time together that they had and for me this goes to the heart of what experiential theology means and we're going to talk about that now but um martin buber had this book called uh, i thou i believe mm -hmm. and it's and he describes this experience of I thou encounter and he contrasts it to sort of an I it encounter. So in my relations to other people, I can treat them as an it or I can treat them as a, as a you or a thou as another person. And, and there's something very powerful in the it, when I treat another person like a person and I have an I thou encounter with them. Um, and the experience of experiential theology is essentially at the, at the bottom level is this I-thou encounter with, with God in Christ through the spirit of Jesus. Yeah. And, and it doesn't require that you have the right thoughts at the right time. It doesn't require you to have the correct um, doctrine or the correct theology, the correct set of beliefs. Because I think that most of the time we're actually working with faulty beliefs and faulty theology and, 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 and faulty doctrine. Uh, what it requires is just being open to the fact that if God is real, then God can be actually encountered in I thou encounter, just like these disciples encountered God in Christ on the road to Emmaus without really understanding it at the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's spend the rest of our time here talking about what is experiential theology and why is it our theme? Uh, in a nutshell, the experience we want to talk about is the experience of the power of the good news that the Christian faith is, is supposed to be all about. Um, before I say anything else, maybe I'll give you a chance to, to describe 
what you think about experiential theology or why this theme has popped out to you? Well, I feel like I already mentioned how I arrived at my conclusion. I think from the very beginning of my Christian life, I always understood the gospel as being powerful, as being an encounter with God, and as demanding some kind of change or response in us who encounter the divine, right, or God. So I've studied theology for a while, and one of the problems that you can really run into theology is that you can get lost in a sea of questions and theories, and it can become an intellectual game, right? And so for me, experiential theology is a reminder that when we're studying theology, we're studying theology to enrich our experience of God and hopefully to facilitate a deeper encounter, a deeper ongoing encounter with God. And I think that is crucial for us to, to remember. Otherwise, I know my natural tendency, my natural tendency is to just overanalyze, make everything an intellectual endeavor and just spend hours and hours and read tons of books and not actually practice the faith. So for example, reading 10 books on prayer, but not actually praying. <laughs> so to me, that is what experiential theology seeks to remedy. And what I like about experiential theology is that it takes experience as a very important non-negotiable uh, factor in our study of theology. Okay. Okay, so let's maybe what I should do is try to clear up some some uh, reservations people might have about experiential theology to begin with. So I think that you'll find that uh, in in sort of the global Christian world, if you say experience and Christianity together, a lot of people will point to a, a Pentecostal form of Christianity um, of some sort or a type of Christianity that essentially tries to return to the early church or replicate or reproduce what was happening in the early church in a sense that the early church, the first generation church, they're the most authentic. And if we can recover that authenticity today, then we're doing well. Um, okay, so we certainly are interested in the early church, uh, but not necessarily as our model for what we are going for directly. Um, the early church was the first, uh, after Jesus Christ, they were the first to experience the good news. And, the, and for that, it's worth taking a close look at them. Um, but there's not, it's not obvious that they experienced it uh, in the best ways possible, or that their experience of it was totally normative for all times. Uh, if if the good news is real, it's something that's going to be happening in every generation. And every generation has to respond to this good news for itself. Uh, we can't simply copy what the previous generations have done. We have to look at the world that we actually live in, look at the challenges that we actually face, look at the obligations that are actually uh, upon us, and, and bring those together uh, in light of the good news as something that's happening again in this generation. Um, so 
So, so anyway, that's what I'm saying is this is not about a return to the early church uh, in a Pentecostal sense. Not, not really, not at all. Um, please jump in if you want to add something at any point. Uh, the second thing I want to say about experience is that I'll, many Christians are nervous about experience because it sounds very subjective and they want their faith to be objective. And subjective and objective are are big words that um, can be can they can they mean roughly a certain thing, but a lot of people will take them to mean different things. But so you might criticize experiential theology for being too subjective. People want something more solid than that. And and to that, I would say that um, if the good news is real and is true in some sense, it's the kind of thing that we would bump into in our experience, right? So. Our experience of the good news is not is, is is subjective. That's what experience is. Experience is always subjective. But it's an experience of something, and it can be an experience of something else that is objective, if that makes sense. So um, the fact that I am like sitting in a chair right now means I'm having an experience of gravity. Uh, that gravity is an objective part of the world and an, <laughs> an objective part of the world that I live in, uh, even though my experience of it is subjective. So, so I think that if you really think that Christianity has an objectivity to it, which is also a dangerous game for other reasons, um, you should actually expect it to impinge upon your experience. A Christianity, however objective, that does nothing to your experience is 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 just too mathematical and abstract and and unlikely to actually be true in my in my view so we need to wholeheartedly lean into the fact that if it's real it's going to appear in experience and we need to pay attention at the level of our subjective experience any thoughts on that uh yeah uh i'd just like to think how do people become christians right a lot of people are raised in Christian families. They go to church and then they just keep going to church and they like it and they're Christian. Great. But there are also millions and millions of people who are now born in Christian households, right? Who are just randomly invited by one of their friends and they go to church and they have an experience. They hear the gospels preach for the first time ever. They have never read the Bible. They experience a the fellowship, right? So it, there's an individual conversion. You could say they're born again if you want, but it all begins with experience. The knowledge comes second. After that experience, they're interested. They keep coming to church. They study the Bible. They get baptized. And you know they're giving advice on how to grow as a Christian. And of course they're told, oh, you need to pray. You need to read the Bible. You need to get together with other Christians and so forth. When you look at all those things, they all involve experience. And so I would say for a lot of people, for all of us really, the Christian life begins with experience and until the very end, we're always, we're always changing, modifying, expanding a view of God, a view of faith, a view of the future in light of all those experiences accumulated together so yeah 
I like what you're saying and I affirm all of it, but I'm thinking of it just in terms of how, how do people become Christians? How did Paul become a Christian? He had a powerful, powerful experience. How did St. Augustine have a, become a Christian? He had a very powerful experience. Luther, how did Luther <laughs> have a, a renewed understanding of the gospel? He had a powerful experience. So yeah, I think experience is so, so important. And again, the danger of theology is to become highly abstract and to get lost in the sea of questions that we can pursue and not remember that at the end of the day, the gospel has the aim of bringing about living faith in the here. And everything that we do in theology needs to give us resources to, to help Christians who believe and who are doing their best to, to live for God, right? Yeah. Okay, so something else I want to say is that Yes. So let's say that experience is a part of theology and a part of the Christian faith worth considering. Well, um, what kind of experience exactly? So you sort of mentioned a bit of like a conversion experience. And I, I would just say that there are lots of conversion stories to be sure, but conversion stories, um, lots of people don't have conversion stories. Uh, and, and so the and so as valuable as they may be, the kind of experience that I'm particularly interested in is a, uh, is a moral or ethical experience. Uh, like I said earlier about Martin Buber and I, Thou Encounter, I think that in a nutshell, the fundamental experience of the Christian faith is this I, Thou Encounter with the spirit of Jesus that um, by which the, the character of Christ is... Uh, confronts us and that at the level of our of our ethics and our treatment of one another and so what we have in christian experience and the kind of experience i'm interested in is this exposure to the character of a god who's actually worthy of our worship and that exposure as as some of the biblical authors describe it's kind of like a consuming fire that a, a full exposure to the character of god um, it's just a sense that like, I can never do this. I'm going to be destroyed. What was me? <laughs> uh, and yet the other part of the experience is this experience of empowerment that although we're exposed to, to what is right through the spirit of Jesus, we're also exposed to an offer to empower us to do what is right. And so experiential theology will become, uh, an ethical theology, a theology of, of, uh, of action, a theology of power, power to do what God wants done in this world, um, and not just a theology of ideas. Yeah, I like that you highlight the moral and the ethical, because I mean, going back to what we said earlier, minimal creed, yes, we do have to have a creed of some sort. But I mean, I think it's so important to remember that a living faith, a living faith has to respond to the word, right? And so we have to live in light of this faith, in light of this encounter with God. And it has to make a difference in how we live. So absolutely. 
Uh, one thing I would clarify, there is no such a thing as the school of experiential theology, right? We, we have, we have to have the Calvinists, you have the Arminians, there's a bunch of well-known fields, right? Of academic theology, uh, experiential theology, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there is such a thing. It's more of a register or a mood that a, theolog a theologian uses when they do theology and you can find theologians doing experiential theology across uh, the different denominations or traditions. Uh, I think that's important to highlight. But also you have theologians um, denouncing experiential theology as well. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And I, I think you'll find, I hate to say anything about Karl Barth for fear of being blamed for misinterpreting him, but I think you'll find that Karl Barth is basically an enemy of experiential theology in, in a real sense, um, that he really wants a theology that's objective, that's a theology from above. So actually, a good analogy is with Christology. So the person of Christ, there's two approaches to Christology, roughly. One of them is um, Christology from above, which starts with creeds about Jesus and says, step one, fully God, fully human, and, and then goes on from there. Uh, that's a Christology from above. So you assume the creeds and then you work down. Theology from below kind of begins with the evidence in the New Testament, for instance, and try to reconstruct the human Jesus, and then, and then at the end, maybe say something about divinity. Um, and I think that that is an experiential approach, is, is to, is to it, an experiential theology is in many ways a theology from below. It's trying to come to know God at the practical level, of it paying attention to the experience of God in conscience. So rather than assuming that we know who God is and what God wants, a theology from above and carrying on from there, we begin from below by, by testing and seeing for ourselves what God wants um, as a, from a theology from below. And I would point to Peter Forsyth, who we've mentioned a couple times already. I would point to him as... Um, basically an exemplar of, of experiential theology. It's a, this is a, a way to summarize um, what he's done in theology in many ways. Um, others, there's others as well, like Friedrich Schleiermacher uh, is the father of an experiential school, um, but it's not, I don't know him super well. I have read Christian faith, um, but it's not, and an intense uh, ethical approach in his writing, as far as I can tell, in the same ways you would see in Peter Forsyth. Yeah. yeah, and again, it was it was largely through you that I read into P.T. Forsyth, like I had never heard of him before. And then I realized that you and uh, Mr. Paul Moser, I believe, both edited together the book. So I was like, wow, I know the editor for this book. Okay, I guess I'm gonna read the book. And I was just blown away. I was really, really blown away. Having read that book, the essays, just the way he writes, it's just amazing. I mean, he really lived up to that uh, motto that we're striving to follow. And, uh, yeah, I like how you talked about Christology as, a, as an example of how we have different approaches 
in our gut talk. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I think we've said quite enough for today. <laughs> so maybe we'll stop here and, uh, and pick it up next time with some more about experiential theology. All right, sounds good. Look forward to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Experiential Theology Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. Please rate the podcast in whatever platform you use and share it with whomever you think would enjoy our subject here. You could also leave a voice message by going to anchor.fm backslash experiential theology.